Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Millennial Love, a podcast from The Independent on everything to do with love, sexuality, identity and more. This week, I am joined by the wonderful musician Maisie Peters, who has a brand new album out today called You Signed Up For This. In the episode, we talked about soft boys and fuck boys and the crucial differences between them. We also discussed how to reclaim the power in relationships and the nuances of writing songs about your own love life and why Maisie will never explain who a song is actually about. I hope you enjoy the show. I have listened to the album. I love it. When did you start writing it? What did you envisage when you sat down to start writing it? Well, I feel like there's sort of two, there's two answers to that question. Like one answer is like, I feel like I've kind of been writing it all my life. If it's, if it's your debut album, then I've, it's a collection of everything you've done kind of that you think is worthy. So some songs, like the first song during his movie is from 2017. Um, but I kind of, I went last summer of 2020 I went to Suffolk for a month and I had this like Airbnb for a lot of it, which we just was like an old barn and we just bought studio equipment in and like set up a little makeshift studio. And I wrote there for like about a month. Um, sort of that was when I sat down being like, okay, I'm making this album. Let's, and like, what does that look like? And that wasn't, there's not a lot of planning that goes on with my music. Um, but it's, I feel like it was more of just like getting into the mindset and the space of it. Um, so then that was like yeah summer 2020 and then it was intense album times from then and I am obsessed with I mean a lot of the songs but I think the song that's probably most relevant to this podcast particularly is the boy song yeah <laughs> um it's literally kind of, written for this podcast basically yeah it's brilliant I think it captures so many of the kind of like insidious ways that people and men in particular can behave in relationships so I guess I want to ask you when you were writing that what were you thinking of as like a typical fuckboy and how would you define a fuckboy well what a great question you know what that is how that's how the song uh originated it was it was myself and a guy called Joe Rubel and Ed Sheeran uh all wrote the song together and I'm really good. For, I'm really good friends with both of them, and it was like an after dinner song that you have dinner, you have some wine, and you go back to the studio. And it was so funny because it was literally that question. The guys were like, "So, like, what's a fuck boy, Maisie?" They were like trying to get into the minds of like a twenty year old girl, and they and they were living their best life because they're both like thirty year old men who are just like having the time of their life, pretending that they're a twenty year old. Anyway, um, and we were so I explained to them a fuck boy, and then we were talking about soft boys as well, and I was like explaining the difference. Okay, so what do you think the difference is between those two? I, there was an argument at the time. I was arguing that fuckboy might, dare I say it, be, it's like a villain in the in daylight, you know? Like, at least they're somewhat open with their insidiousness. Uh, whereas I would argue a softboy is is harder to, um, harder to pin down. Mm. Yeah, I, yeah, I wrote about this recently and my friend uh described it to me he was like a soft boy is basically a fuck boy in disguise yes and I think what 
is really funny about them that really kind of lends it to satire is that there's this level of like intellectual superiority and sort of like snobbishness that surrounds them and it's kind of it's all of these like weird niche cultural references and they'll give you books and they'll talk to you about art house films and it's like that kind of thing trying to be super interesting and super different <laughs> that's so like emotionally it's the the greatest irony of my life is like one of the one of the guys who I've met along my travels who like was a was a lyrical inspiration for fuckboy um I had this conversation with him about fuckboys and softboys before I was aware and he's he really spent a long time explaining how he really wasn't either and I was like fair you know like okay cool and they spend so long. I feel like a soft boy spends so long convincing himself and others that he could never, like he's not mm. that guy at all. He would never do that. Um, and then he fully does, turns around and does it. I'm really interested as to where that comes from, that like ability to deny your own bad behavior. And I was talking to a friend about this the other day and I think it comes from, and this would make sense when you think about the kind of intellectual superior, superiority that we talked about earlier. I think it comes from a place of narcissism because it's like thinking I'm such a good person yes. and I'm so fantastic and I have such good morals and I'm the main character in my own life. I could never outwardly hurt anyone. Yes. No, it is exactly that. It's like such a like hysterical place of exactly what you said of narcissism because it's, and it's true. It's truly a level of like, they would never, they could never fathom that they'd done anything even remotely like hurtful to anybody to the point where I'm sure you could ask them, you could be like, you know, do you, do you do you see what you did there and they would be like no like do you think you did anything wrong no and it's like it's kind of amazing but I think to arguably to act that way you just have to have a level of like yeah blind belief in that you always make the right decision and you never make the wrong decision and everybody else is wrong apart from you Mm. yeah and it's funny I get asked about a lot you know what's the equivalent for women because obviously you know fuck boy fuck girl soft boy soft girl and I just don't think there is one because the whole idea, right, it's it's based on the patriarchy and it's based on male supremacy. Like it's not those kind of gender dynamics don't lend themselves to a cool girl in the same way, right? And I, I feel like this is a generalization now. So this is, and this is also me thinking out loud, but I think with like a fuck boy and a soft boy, there's such a lack of like re- emotional responsibility towards anybody else but yourself. And I feel like as a generalization, women are just less sort of um, raised in a way and you're sort of in in a way that means it's kind of impossible to do that, to feel such a lack of like empathy or responsibility for anybody else. And I feel like that's a that's an important trait in the fuckboy, softboy genre. I'm interested about the writing process as well because you obviously wrote it with two men. Were they like, did they recognize the behaviors that you were talking about? Were like, oh, we know, oh, they did. Oh, yeah. Were they like, this is so crazy. What is this? <laughs> men behave like this (laughs) there was there was so many good moments because we were like the song so was so fun to write we were literally all just howling with laughter um and everyone was like contributing like what they thought a fuckboy did um and there was this one line I start the song and I go I heard you had a lot of therapy when you were 17 for your anger issues if I had a pound for every hole I saw punched in a wall I'd be a rich girl and I told them that I was like you guys know there's like a massive thing it's like a kind of a meme between women that like all men do is like punch walls and they were like wow and I was like have you ever punched a wall and we went around the room and let's just say revealing no names of who had and who hadn't some of those men had definitely punched some walls and I was like did you make a girl look at the hole you punched in the wall and they were like, <laughs> um, it's just like it's just so good and then yeah there's so many lyrics in that song where 
we were just unpacking it, you know, like you up text repeater. Um, the, the, um, then I actually, what is good about this song is I wrote it, we wrote it a year ago and then lived my life for a year and then some more shady things happened in my life. So then I actually went back and I wrote some more things, um, some more lines in this song. Cause I was like, oh, I just want to like throw in more. Oh, I love that. I mean, yeah, you could keep every, I think every woman, every straight woman in particular, their whole life is just one long fuckboy song. <laughs> you just keep adding to over the years. <laughs> um, I think there's a real kind of strength to the whole album because it's all about taking the power back and it feels like it's kind of like a call to arms for women who have been messed around by men and just kind of calling out their bad behavior and I guess the two singles Psycho and John Hughes movie like the lyrics feel like it's very much about women taking the power back after they've been hurt um, so I guess I wanted to ask you what drew you to that kind of narrative and what made you want to explore that in your songs hmm. um, I don't know if it was conscious I don't I feel like as a writer I like ever I'm super like sort of I don't set out with like a really intense plan but I think I just naturally I lean towards those themes and I think like I yeah it's it feels it feels like an important emotion to write about and then with Psycho is what obviously kind of a more dramatic but sort of more fun bullshit version and then John Hughes movie feels sadder but I still really love, you know, if you don't want me, then you're not the one, which I wrote when I was 17, which was very ahead of its time. Um, I think I wrote that and then probably did not follow that for uh, all the subsequent years. But I don't know. I just think it's always like an, been an interesting theme to me. I've always sort of written within that world. Um, and I like the idea that, you know, for this, for every like drop of sadness on this record, there's always like a sort of redeeming silver lining sort of side um yeah like b-side to it and so when you do write about um love and dating in your songs where do you go for uh for inspiration I guess do you do you always draw on your own experiences or is it kind of a mixture of different things that inspire you it's really a mixture I think for a long time because I've been writing since I was so young and obviously when you're 13 there's just not a lot going on um for a long time it was it was drawn upon sort of imagination and what I thought could happen or um or you know like characters and films or books I was definitely one of those people I was other music I was obsessed with Taylor Swift I pretended to be Taylor Swift um and then as I've gotten older it's definitely it borrows a lot more from my own life and then some songs are super autobiographical some songs are still like wholly fictional because I think that's like the joy of writing is that you should be able to do both um and if if they if there's like an a truth of like feeling in them like a like the the feeling and the emotion is honest then I think that's the most important thing so it in this album there's like there's some stuff that's wholly made up um I always I'm, I feel like I've ruined the image because I said on an interview so now I'm gonna keep saying it but outdoor pool is not real I did not kiss my crush in that pool when I was 15 um but that was like wild imaginative abandonment being like oh like we wrote this chorus with about an outdoor pool let's just like let's just do it like let's commit to the story um that's like a really cool example of how that can be so fun. Mm. And then there are other songs that's happened that are super real and personal to me and we were about my life at the time. And when you are writing about your own experiences, how do you kind of navigate that? Do you, because obviously you're trying to protect yourself, I suppose, and protect other people maybe in that process. Like, do you, do you try and cloak things about in ambiguity or is that something you don't even do consciously and you just write what you feel and then just see what happens? I think I used to be a lot more uptight about it. Um, I used to 
because it is a weird it's a weird like responsibility you have as a writer not responsibility but it's a weird sort of power you hold because it ultimately like it is your narration it's however you choose to see it and say it and I used to really struggle I think with the idea that it it maybe wasn't fair it wasn't a fair depiction which obviously nothing can be because it's all perspective um and now I think that I've you sort of have to get over that you have to write what feels natural at the time I do think uh, there is a natural depending on the subject area I think there's like a subconscious and natural ambiguity that I do give to some areas where like yeah I'm not gonna name any names you know and I've always been very um I've always been very adamant with like interviews or with press or with anything when when I'm asked about you know songs and who they're about like that's really that's like not my job like my job is like writing the song and putting it out and then the like the explanation is like just it's just not relevant to the music and really to the artist and I think women get asked it a lot more than men and I've always been very much like that's not important like I'm not I'm never going to talk about that why why do you think women do get asked about it more often than men because obviously you know we've already talked about Taylor Swift but she's sort of the the the, the best example of this at a really high level because obviously all of her songs there are kind of whole reddit threads about who it's about because she dates famous men or she used to date a lot of famous men and so I guess she's yeah one of the best examples whereas I feel like that kind of hype and that level of intrigue you never get that around male artists no I don't think you do I just I don't know I really I I really couldn't tell you um but it does feel like it's like more of the package deal like there's it's so much more expected that it's so much more expected, I feel like, for women, female artists that, number one, it's, I don't know what this is, but it feels like it has to be entirely true. It's like, this has to be exactly your life. And I'm like, well, it might not be. And people like really struggle to compute with that. Um, and then also, yeah, there's this expectation that um, it, that we should, I don't know, discuss it. Um, and I, and I do think if you sort of, if you look back in interviews, I don't know, like, who's asking Bruno Mars who his songs are about nobody I don't I don't know I don't care but I don't care I don't know I don't care like great music but it feels like that you know Miley Cyrus uh Taylor is obviously the best example even like you know Camila Cabello and like I just think everyone's so obsessed they're so obsessed it's funny because I don't I, I also don't think it's not limited to music either I think you know even female novelists when their work is literally categorized as fictional will get asked who is this about who inspired this character you know like I guess um an example would be cat person that viral short story right which was fiction and everyone would ask Christian opinion the author the author who was it about who did who did this to you kind of thing um and that story actually is maybe a bad example because there's been a twist in that narrative I don't know if you read this like massive piece that came out uh a few weeks ago about uh, a writer who said that cat person was actually about them and yeah it was a weird it was a weird twist in the narrative I think Kristen Rupanian went to a writing course with this woman and then she dated a guy that this woman had also dated and kind of amalgamated the two stories but used very similar details about this woman's life without telling her. Um, so it's, yeah, you should read that. I'll send you a link. Um, but yeah, I just think it's across, it's just female artists in general. It's like, there's this weird sexist assumption 
that female artists just don't have imagination yeah. no, so <laughs> and that everything has to be from real life and everything is 100% real and I know because I run a book club which actually you should come on we should talk about that afterwards um that would be great that would be great we can just have this conversation <laughs> again yeah um, but I run a book club and I'm always I always ask and then I say like I'm really sorry for asking this because I know that everybody asks you and I you know I'm like is there any element of like autobiography through this book so I remember seeing Phoebe Waller-Bridge being like I'm not Fleabag like everyone thinks I'm Fleabag I'm not Fleabag and it's so good it's like no why would who assumes that men are their protagonists like nobody hey I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you that's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I also want to ask you when you do write about your own experiences because I kind of feel like this as well um do you allow yourself like a certain amount of time to pass before you write about it because I kind of take the view that I need time to pass in order for me to actually have a handle on that situation and be able to write about it with any sense of clarity but then I speak to other writers who are the opposite and say that actually it's better to write when you're feeling much more raw and fresh about the moment so which kind of stance do you take or if if either um I think that I kind of would I'll like write whenever I, I feel like I want to um but also a lot of the writing I do is on my own especially if it's about something like super personal or like this just happened it'll just be like me on my own in my room and so there's that's really just like for me like I might not ever send those songs to anybody I might not ever use them um but then I I do think, yeah, like having the little bit of time as perspective is good. But then it depends, really. I think there's there's merit to both. I find I used to find it again really hard, and I st- I guess I kind of still do to write like in the moment because you're so conflicted, like emotionally, or you don't really know how you feel for like the first week or so. So it's very hard to sort of put that into words. And when you can, it's really good. And I I think like the times that I've managed to do that, like really quickly after something has happened, or like when you're in the thick of something it's quite rare to get like a whole song or to sort of have it, but it's really cool to look back on. I'm, and I'm always really glad I did because it's such a sort of vivid timestamp of that moment. That it's, it's like kind of wild that I have the ability to do that, even though it's hard. And I think that when you get it, it doesn't even, like they'll never come out. Like realistically, I don't think anyone will ever hear these songs because I'll, I'll never post them because it'll, it'll just be probably like too much of myself for me right now to sort of think about giving to other people. But it's just cool for yourself to be able to listen to that and go, that is exactly how I felt when that happened. Mm. Do you ever have this feeling when you do write a really personal song and then it goes out and then people sort of talk about it or dissect it or even just listen to it 
do you ever get this sense of like oh I feel a bit too exposed or what I guess the writer Nell Frizzell once described to me as a vulnerability hangover which I think is such a good description of when you've just kind of really like bared your soul in some way and you know I did this a lot with the book and with the pieces I wrote around the book and then afterwards I felt this real kind of sense of oh god like I've just kind of like opened my guts for everyone to dissect and talk about and discuss and it it feels a bit strange do you ever do you ever get that feeling because obviously when you're talking about love and dating as as we both do I mean that's like your most vulnerable self so yeah do you ever get that kind of vulnerability hangover um I do I would say what's for me at least the like the kind of I get saved a little bit by the nature of like the release process of songwriting because I'll write something but I don't think realistically it's very rare that it will come out before six months later very rare like I can't think of many examples where that's happened so you kind of get the the benefit of time um and what feels like um, I would say like 90% of the time what feels like so painful and sort of relevant six months later is very different and it's it's a very different feeling. It's a really good Lucy Dacus song called Night Shift. Um, and she sings, I hope, it's something along the lines of, I hope in so many years, the songs I'm singing feel like covers um, and dedicated to old lovers. And I've always loved that lyric. And I think it's really true. Like, I don't know. I, I have some songs now which do feel like covers. There's so, there's so little of that feeling left in you. And that experience was so long ago that it, you're, I, I don't know, me personally, I'm able to kind of, separate it quite a lot um so I I think that really helps whereas if I had to put the song out when I'd just done it that would maybe be less how does it feel when you hear your songs played on Love Island because I feel like they are always on Love Island (laughs) I think it's so cool like I love Love Island um I've sort of tuned in and out of it this year because I've just been wildly busy but I fucking I love Love Island and yeah it's really cool that my songs like fit those moments um and yeah, whenever you see like your lyrics and your song over somebody else's life, it also shows you like how universal everything is. Like truly no one's special. We're all doing the same stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I. It's so funny because for a long time when I was younger, my dream job was to be the person that uh, soundtracked film and TV shows and like chose the songs to do that. Because I think that's such a, there's such a magic in that, in finding the song that perfectly encapsulates a moment and I think so many of us apply that to our own lives like we're constantly soundtracking our own lives anyway subconsciously so it must be so cool to see your song (laughs) soundtracking someone else's I don't know breakup or whatever I think I think I'm trying to think of the moment when favorite x was used I think it was like maybe the Amy Hart breakup. Yeah, it was. God, that was powerful stuff. That was so powerful. That was powerful TV. <laughs> I, was, I was in the most powerful TV scene, it's true. Um, no, but for sure. It was, yeah, it's really, it's really cool. I like this year when they played Traitor by Olivia Rodrigo, finally. And every, it was so funny. I felt like everyone had just been waiting. Um, and that's actually one of my favorite songs this year. It's one of my favorite lyrics. Um, and it was so good, like in the context of Love Island, I was living yeah she's great yeah I really like Olivia Rodrigo did you like her album that came out I did I think she's so good um I think she's so good I love good for you I love traitor I think she's an amazing writer talk to me I guess I guess this kind of leads into my next question because Olivia Rodrigo Taylor Swift all these women we mentioned they write songs about love and as do loads of men so you know love songs have such a long 
history and context in the music industry, why do you think songwriters are kind of perpetually drawn to writing about love and romance? And and why is it a subject that never gets boring, I guess? Hmm. I don't know. I think that there's just a lot of uh, layers to it. There's a lot you can talk about. I think it it feels exciting. Um, it feels dangerous. And people like to do things that feel dangerous. I don't know. Writing about love can feel like that sometimes. Um, but I don't know because I guess I've been writing about it for a long time and I'm not particularly a romantic person, I wouldn't argue. Um, Would you not say you're a romantic person? No, no. That's interesting. What? Because I feel like from your, listening to your songs, I would say you must be a romantic person. Not, I well, maybe in different contexts, but as in like in my personal life, I would, I would say I'm, I'm pretty cynical. Or yeah, I'll lean on the side of, of pessimism. But I'm also, I'm saying that having written love songs basically for the past 10 years. So like, maybe I just, maybe I just use it up in my songs and then I have none left. Um, yeah, yeah, stop writing about love and save, save something yeah. for yourself. I mean, I, I'm not romantic either. I'm, I'm a total cynic and I think I, I'm quite unsentimental about love and dating because I'm just, obviously I talk about it and write about it all the time and I just feel like everyone's horrible to each other. <laughs> that's so funny so then how do you kind of tap into that more positive side of things in your songwriting because a lot of your songs I think talk about and view love in a very like nostalgic and uh and yeah I guess in a romantic way how do you where do you go for that it's not so it's not like a conscious decision um to do that I don't know I think it's just you just see where the song takes you I think the song sort of you just follow the, the song and whatever feels right in that moment. Um, and as you know, as I said, maybe maybe that is sort of where I where I put all those feelings and all those hopes and yeah, belief. Do you have a favorite song on the new album? I do. My favorite song is "Love Him I Don't," which is track five, which is very relevant um, for this podcast as well and for what we've just been talking about. Talk to me. So yeah, why is that? Why is that one your favorite song? It's kind of. It's almost. It's. On one level, it's kind of hard to pin down because sometimes things just are. And I wrote it and it was my favorite song. I said, I was like, this is my favorite song I've written um, for this album when I wrote it. And then it's and then it's just always been my favorite. I think on, on one level, just musically and sonically and lyrically and everything about it just feels like a song I'm, the perfect song for me to have written. It feels like the culmination of lots of songs I've written and lots of music that I've listened to. And my journey as a songwriter and as an as a, uh, artist and a, someone who makes music, it just feels like that is a song that really like embodies all of that. Um, and then I, it's just a lot of, as I, yeah, I've just, there's a lot of that song, which is just like, really just like, I don't know, is like very lodged in my, just very like lodged in my heart. And I, we did it. And that the first lyric that came was sort of that chorus. It was now it's coming up roses, kicking up snow. Um, and then it was like, yeah, love him, I don't, love him, I won't, love him, I did for a minute, but I'm finished because I've learned. And I think that like really just was important to me at the time, I guess. Mm. I get, I can see what you mean, actually, now that you're talking about that and talking about the lyrics of the songs, like there is actually, there's not a pessimism that comes through, but there is just a very kind of realistic sense of not getting caught up in the, in the fantasy of love, I suppose, that that we all are subjected to occasionally, but particularly when we're younger. I would agree. But I think what's funny about that song, like talking about it now, is that 
I'm in that song. It's kind of as like a warring thing because it is that it's trying. It's not getting caught up in fantasy, but I, 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 you know, I say like I could see a bloodbath coming, playing checkers as the flat was budding. I wasn't eating. I said nothing, but I dug my heels in, got really good at underwater breathing, and I guess that was my stubborn season. And it, it, that song feels like you have this like really naive, like hopeful, young, dumb, romantic sort of, um, almost like what's the word I'm looking for when you're like infatuation that runs through this album but then that song feels like it it ties in with the other theme of the album it's sort of like they fold it's like a segue into a sort of more adult so it's almost like resentful and like it's like a cold shower of realism where you realize that like the world's not as you thought it would be and people are not as you thought they would be I like that cold shower of realism I think we could all do with a cold shower of realism in our dating lives (laughs) um I guess, finally, I want to ask you, what is your lesson in love? So this is the part of the show where I ask every guest to share something they've learned from their previous relationship experiences and what it has taught them about relationships. So Maisie, what is your lesson in love? My lesson in love is, hmm, you know what I'm going to say is my lesson in love. This is the first thing that came to mind. I might take it back tomorrow. Is to ask the question when you want to ask the question. Don't wait and don't think that you can ask it later and don't think that it's stupid or embarrassing or is going to push somebody away. Ask the question because you might never get to ask it. What kind of questions would you say that people should ask? Things like, how do you feel about me or where is this going? Those kind of questions. Yeah, anything. Well, this is that's kind of the point. Anything. Anything that you feel enough that you want to ask somebody. Um is valid and and you should ask it when you think it as opposed to just eating weird letting it eat away at you because yeah yeah because I think we do that a lot as opposed to sitting on it and then before you know it time's passed and it's not the right time to ask it anymore and then I think the more you do that it just yeah like it's it it invalidates like how you feel um and it and it creates I think it ultimately creates a relationship what you know regardless of who it's between that's that's uneven because if you feel like you can't ask somebody something it's and you and you keep doing that you're I don't know there's that you're not it's not honest you need to have that kind of level of authenticity with someone but again doing that is really hard because you need to then let your guard down and show vulnerability and actually that is easier said than Definitely. done no it's so hard it is so hard it's a lesson that I've learned from not doing it um, <laughs> so that's that was what I would say that's it for today thank you so much for listening if you're a new listener to millennial love you can subscribe to us on apple podcasts spotify acast or anywhere else You can comment and leave us a rating too so that more people can find us. Keep up to date with everything to do with the show on Instagram. Just search Millennial Love. See you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 